I don't know who those people are. <laughs> but apparently they're very offended and easily offendable. Um, so that's what we're, we're talking about, being offended. And uh, before I get into that, I do want to say a couple weeks ago we had uh, our Father's Day um, games and things after the service. One of the reasons we do that, like last Sunday with the baptism, having food afterward, is because church isn't a speech and a couple great songs on the weekend. Church is a spiritual family, and we want you to stay and get to know each other. In fact, opportunities to serve, that's another way to get to know other people and, um, and, and become a spiritual family. So we had some stupid games um, that were played, and they were stupid because I didn't win any of them. Um, <laughs> But uh, so the winner of the shot put, I don't know if he's here, but Matt Holbrook gets a 50-pound block of salt. So, and because he can like throw this thing, you know, like 30 feet. So um, that, I, I think I missed him in the first service. So also uh, the axe throw, very manly game that we had. The winner is Hannah Foster. And uh, she, she got a boot knife. She got a boot knife. I think that was the expensive, most expensive thing we bought. Um, Peter Sayre won the big wheel time trials, so he got a matchbox car. Um, so is Peter here? Like, I don't know. He is. He's ashamed. He's like, yes. All right. And in the first service, I handed out um, the deodorant for the individual who won the tire flip um, competition, who could flip them the fast enough. That was Laura McCary, who sings in the band <laughs> right over there. Next year, I'm doing that one. Um, all right, so that's just stupid stuff as we get started. Um, I, I want to start with uh, reading a letter. Uh, I, have, I have a couple files in my office of, of letters. Um, one is of negative letters. It's about this thick. And, uh, and actually, a, a bunch of those letters were written to me because I actually did something. I, I, I did something wrong. I made a mistake. I sinned or whatever. And people wrote and said, hey, this was dumb. And I just save it just because I need a couple notches taken down every so often. And I need to remember, like, don't do that again. Um, but, but some of them are just crazy, and I'll read you one. And then, and then I have a, a, a file like this thick of, like, encouraging letters that people have sent me over the years. And, but this is not one of those encouraging letters. So to the church pastor, we, we had a spring sportsman's conference here and dinner um, uh, various groups from the community use, use our building, and, and I think that's a very positive thing. And I am pro-sportsman's dinner thing. But this was, they did an advertisement in the paper, and so that advertisement was cut out and sent to me with this, this note. To the church pastor, your souls are not godly. You will do anything to get money. The dinner cost 15 bucks. We weren't getting any of that, but it didn't matter. But um, preach God for free and get a real job. You are not a godly church. All animals deserve to live. Their lives are not to be taken to entertain men shooting them. Go shoot snakes instead. So wait a minute. All animals deserve to live, but not snakes. So anyway, you have disgusting ideas. You're very wrong to do this. Gun makers are evil and don't belong in God's church. These animals only live 7 to 14 years. Anyone here shot a 14-year-old buck? What? In the anyway, evil men kill animals and drink booze. <laughs> your health and your church are bad now. So, like, sometimes my health's been fine for the last nine years, but maybe, maybe it's going to take a turn. Um, sometimes people criticize us and they try to offend us or they do something offensive and, and you just laugh about it, right? 
especially me, I'm like, this is Susquehanna County. Like, what? Like, it's not like this is Portland or something. You know, what kind of a letter is that? Um, but a lot of times, you know, we can't laugh off an offense. Like, it hits a little too close to home or by someone that we actually care about. And this was anonymous, so I don't care. Um, but, you know, maybe you come home and you've had a really hard, long day and you're exhausted and then your spouse just rips into you and you think like, really? I don't deserve that. Uh, or, or you go into work and maybe it's not even your day to work, you're going on a time or at a time that you don't have to be there and you overhear your coworkers talking about you and this was someone like that you helped and maybe you like covered for them when they, when they had to be gone or whatever and they're talking smack and you're like, what? Like offended. Or you go online and someone you used to hang out with or, or an ex or, or, or someone you thought was your friend like says some things that really are, are very critical of you and, and you're like, man, you get offended. And last week we talked about how offenses will happen. Every single one of us is going to have people that hurt us and say things that we don't deserve and do things that we don't deserve and, and, and there's going to be offenses against us. But offended is a choice. And, and we saw that the only way out of being offended is to forgive. So when someone offends you, it's like they give you a, a two-by-four and you can either take that two-by-four and you can use it as a wall and keep people away, but unfortunately that is also a wall between you and God. And, or you can use it as a, as a club, right, and to go back at it. And that's what we're, I think our society thinks this is what you're supposed to do when you're offended, is you take that offense and, man, you use it to swing and hit someone back as much as you can. Um, but that's not God's plan. God's plan is to forgive. And when you forgive, you can use that offense as, as a bridge to someone else. And so we're going to talk some more about that today. Um, and this is kind of a way of summarizing it. When you're offended, go on a rescue mission, not a hunting expedition. And we're going to look at a not so well-known story in the Bible that, where that literally happens. Uh, someone gets offended and goes on a hunting expedition. Someone else intervenes and uh, goes on a rescue mission. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And um, we're going to start with this. This is a story that, that takes place about 3,000 years ago. Uh, so it's, it's during a very primitive time. Iron is like the new technology on the market. So like, like steel isn't even around. Like it's just very primitive. Um, a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. And he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. And his name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was intelligent and beautiful. That's why people are named Abigail. But her husband was surly and mean. That's why you don't know anyone named Nabal <laughs> and his dealings. And he was a Calebite. So Caleb um, was a national hero at this point. He would have been dead for over 300 years. He would have been like today, like a George Washington or a Thomas Jefferson. And so Nabal is almost royalty in Israel at this time, just this, and, and he knew it. He, he knew he was special. Um, 
And while David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So this is the David from David and Goliath. He, you know, killed this giant who had sword and armor and all that. And all David had was a sling and a stone and no armor and was just a teenage boy. And so he became the most well-known warrior in all of Israel and actually went to work for the king as a, you know, as a harpist and a musician to kind of get the king out of his bad moods and then became a commander, a commanding officer of, of, of his army and uh, defeated hundreds of the, the, the enemy and, and just, just very well-known warrior. But at this point in time, Saul is trying to kill him. So his father-in-law, he married the king's daughter, so they clearly, you know, uh, but he's trying to kill him because Saul saw that David was popular, they made songs about him, and he saw that David had incredible leadership abilities and he was jealous. And he thought, man, this, this young man has, has the ability to take the kingship from me, and so I need to kill him because I, I want my power more, more than anything. And so David's on the run and he is in need because of that. And so he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name and say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household and good health to all that's yours. Now I hear it's sheep shearing time, which is basically party time. Sheep shearing was a big celebration. It's kind of like payday. You're, you're shearing the sheep. You've got all this wool. You're going to go sell it soon. And, and when you shear a sheep, that's the perfect time to kill it. Because you've harvested the, the, the wool off of it, and now you can, you can eat it too. So when your shepherds were with us, we didn't mistreat them. And the whole time there at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. So David has 600 armed warriors with him that were, you know, just disenfranchised or, you know, maybe they were in debt, some of them, or they had a pass or whatever, but, or they were drawn to David's uh, godliness and leadership. And so these warriors from all over Israel have, have gathered and are with him as he's on the run from Saul, men of, that were discontent with maybe the way things were going in Israel. And so they, they protected this man and his property. Ask your own servants and they'll tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. Now, in addition, this is probably hard for David to ask like this, but, but they probably need food. Uh, you can't hunt enough deer for 600 men, uh, especially in the climate that's over there and, and the kind of desert wilderness that they had. So they, they were in need. And, and this is a culture... Of, of that hospitality is something that is expected. So this is not true in the United States, but this is true in many other cultures today. So uh, recently, Joe Ord went on a nine-month missions trip to Cambodia, South Africa, and Guatemala and spent a number of months there ministering to people and, and uh, learning about God's word and putting things into practice, talking to people about the Lord. And I asked him, what, what was your favorite country to be in? He said, Cambodia. Like, why? He says, because of their hospitality culture. He said, you could literally walk up to anyone at, at their house if you could speak their language. And, and if you were to introduce yourself, they would invite you in, and at the very least, you would have tea or something to drink, and probably they would invite you to eat dinner with them. It's just what everyone would do. 
you know, and so just so warm and hospitable. And this culture was like that as well. We read things about that in the Bible, that this was just what was expected. And so David is coming and he's saying, so the natural thing, any normal good person in that culture would say, yeah, why don't you come down or here's a gift, but that's not Nabal. Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Never heard of him. Really? He's like the most famous warrior in your country. Who is the son of Jesse? You've never heard of David, but you know who his father is. Um, Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. He's insulting him. He's saying, you're just one of those, you're a kid that's rebelling. And, And that actually wasn't true. David had saved Saul's life. He had opportunities to kill him. He, he fought for him. He, he, did, he did everything he could for Saul. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? where you, you haven't been protecting them. Who, where are you from? We've never heard of you. David said to his men, each of you should strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David, David's men were rough guys. In fact, multiple times, he, they were like, can we kill him? Can we kill him? He's like, no, <laughs> we're not going to kill him right now. This is not a, and, but here's an instance where David is like, are you kidding me? Men, we're going in. And he would get no argument from these guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the kind of men David was in, this is the kind of stuff, like my mom when I was growing up, she's here this morning, so I'll just talk about her. She would make me do my devotions. She'd be, did you do your devotions? So I had to read the Bible every day or she'd nag me, you know, and, uh, and it was very good. But she didn't care where I did my devotions. So as a junior high boy and into high school, guess what I read for my devotions? Every battle scene in the Bible over and over again. And so David's mighty men, they, I read about them a lot. One of them was Jashabim. Jashabim, it says, in one battle, in one encounter, he killed 300 men all by himself. This, this is one of the 400 guys with him. Another guy, Eleazar. Eleazar, it says, one time there was a battle, and he, he was in the middle of a barley field, and the number of men and the Philistines, they were better equipped, they had better technology, they had iron, the Israelites did not. And, and they had better armor and all this. The, the, the warriors were attacking them. They were outnumbered. All his men ran. And all by himself, in the middle of this field, he didn't have a wall on his back or anything, he killed everyone. It says he couldn't let go of his sword. It had to literally be pried out of his hand because he had fought so long and so hard. Uh, that's Eliezer. Another guy, Benaiah, he became David's bodyguard later on. And it says he went down, there was a, a, a lion in a pit on a snowy day. So a lot of times you trap, you know, you know, predators like that. And so this lion was trapped. So he went down into the pit and fought and killed the lion. Because I guess it wasn't sporting to shoot him from outside the pit like a normal person would do. Another time he went up against an Egyptian that was about seven and a half feet tall. This huge giant of a man who is a warrior and an armor and a spear. And it says all he had was a stick. And he disarmed the Egyptian, took the Egyptian's own spear and killed him with it. I mean, these guys were nuts. Like they were trained killers. It's what they did. 
It's, their job. it's why they were attracted to David, because he was a general. He was a man of honor and courage that they could follow. And these are the guys David's surrounded by. And so he's on his way. He just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. And he's paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave one male of all who belong to him. I don't know in the ancient world how many men it took to take care of 4,000 sheep and goats, but not a few men. And in addition to that, because of the gift that Abigail brings later in the story, we, we, we know that he had vineyards, he had crops, he had fig trees, he had orchards. Like, David's talking about killing 50 men, 100 men. He's going on a hunting expedition. And when there's an offense, you can choose one of two ways. You can choose to be right or you can choose to rescue. This is a story. Okay, last week we talked about if you offend someone, you need to get it right right away. Walk out of the service, right? Like nothing, nothing is, almost nothing is more important than, than getting right with someone. And, and if someone offends you, then you need to not wait for them, but you need to try to reconcile and get that right with that person who's offended you, right? Build that bridge and don't, don't use it as a, to hit them or to a wall or anything, but build that bridge. But this is a story, not about someone who was offended or who offended someone else, but a third party, someone else who wasn't part of it, who is saying, you know what? Someone I know is in trouble, and I'm going to try to reconcile them. Because David is going on a hunting expedition. This guy, Nabal, and every man in his household have zero chance of surviving. I mean, if these guys can go up against armed warriors and kill them by the hundreds, then a couple shepherds are not going to be a problem. And we have one woman in this story who overcomes 400 armed men. <laughs> and she flips the script. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our masters greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They didn't mistreat us. The whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us. The whole time we were herding our sheep near them. And now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And so Abigail acted quickly. So here's the thing. If you know someone who, who needs, who, who is not getting along with someone else, God wants you to be like Abigail and to go on a res rescue mission and try to reconcile two people who are, who are not doing well. Okay, so Abigail knows, okay, my husband is in trouble. Now, now if, if, if Nabal would respond to a complete stranger in a hospitality culture that way, how do you think he treated his wife? And honestly, this is a day and age where if he beat her, there was nothing no one could do about it. And he certainly was, was verbally belligerent and awful with her if he'd speak that way to a complete stranger who has an army of 600 men like how is he gonna how's he gonna talk to her but but she says you know what 
my husband and this other man, they, there is a barrier there. They, they need to be reconciled. And instead of running away, which is what I would have done. If I was Abigail, I probably would have been like, get as many people as I could and we're heading for the hills because we can see what's coming. You know, wisdom is the ability to see around corners. And so the servant and Abigail, they're both wise people, and they're like, we know what happens next, right? And this is where God's word is so important because what God's word says is wisdom. And so if you're thinking of doing a sin, God has said, don't do that because he knows what happens next. Right? He, he, can predict the fu- he can predict the future. He knows the future. And with wisdom, we can predict the future. If I do the wrong thing, it will catch up to me. Maybe not now, maybe not this year, but eventually it will catch up to me. And, and so she sees this, so she acts quickly. If you, if you see people that need to be reconciled, time is not on your side immediately, you need to, as fast as you can, try to make things right because it will only deteriorate from where it's, where it's at. And in fact, this is true about any rescue mission, right? If there is an avalanche, the first couple hours are key. Otherwise, they'll freeze to death, right? That first hour, you need to act right away. You need to be like, oh, there's an avalanche. Maybe we'll go out looking in the morning. No, right? If there's an earthquake, they say in the first 24 hours, that's, that's when almost everyone who's rescued is rescued in the first 24 hours. It just goes off a cliff after that, the chances of you being able to. So right away, like if you have a stroke, even physical things are like this. They say the first 24 hours after a stroke, getting treatment, getting help is, is essential in, in what happens next. And so, so fast, move fast. If you know someone who's not getting along. Now, if you're like me, I am a conflict avoider, okay? I always have lots of things to do. I got lists, and if, you know, help someone overcome a conflict, okay, we're putting that here, <laughs> and maybe if I have time for it, right, we'll, we'll get to that one, because I don't like, I don't, but Abigail, she doesn't run away. Right away. She acts quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. It's interesting. 200 loaves of bread, that's for the men. Two skins of wine, that's for David. (laughs) Five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, 60 pounds of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. This was quite a caravan she's bringing with her. Enough for every one of those 600 men to get a meal. You think about the amount of food they would need. Um, two choices when we're offended. You can be right or you can rescue. So David decided he was going to be right. And he was. In that culture, with that kind of response, I mean, if, if David had had a vote, all in favor of killing Nabal and all his men and taking everything they have, say aye, it would have been unanimous. I, I don't think anybody would have voted No. In that culture, that was just what you do. He was right, and he was going to be right. He was going to show how right he was. But uh, Abigail, she didn't set out to be right. In fact, even her, her interactions with David, as we'll see, it, it wasn't like, hey, you think, you know, you're, you're right. Nabal needs to die, but you're about to kill, what, a hundred men? And, and she didn't know what he was going to do. And, and women and children, too. 
You, you, think, you think a five-minute conversation with Nabal, with Nabal was hard? Try being married to him. Try being working for him. Try being one of his servants year in and year out. These men don't deserve to die. They deserve a medal. <laughs> Put up with Nabal like that. But she didn't come to David with this criticism, and I'm going to show that I'm right, and David, you're wrong to do this, and David, you're an idiot, and what were you thinking, and this is evil. She, she says, I'm going for a rescue, and it's not about me being right. As we see in what she says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She respected him. If, you, if you're going to help reconcile some people, number one, you need to do it fast. Number two, you need to respect don't go in with guns blazing and saying, you are wrong. Respect. And then another thing is resources. She came in with all of that stuff, dressed sheep, ready to eat, raisins and figs and, you know, barley and what, you know, all that other stuff that she brought. She, she came with resources. You know why God has given many of you here today extra it's so you could give it to others who are in need. So you can use your resources to help other people maybe even see their need for reconciliation. And so she fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. If you're going to try to reconcile people, honesty is important. Just come right out and say, you know what? You were wronged. That this is, this is, you know, what happened. She doesn't beat around the bush. He's just like his name. His name means fool and his folly goes with him. Now, now you might think, she's throwing her husband under the bus. Like, you shouldn't talk to about your husband that way. That's not very Christian. But you know what she's doing? She's saving his life. And he might not appreciate it, but she is risking her life to save his life. And she's just being honest. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodship and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. Um, I didn't count how many times she uses the word Lord. It's like very respectful, very differential. Um, and, and this is, I think, one of the most brilliant things she says. She says, man, I'm so thankful, David, that you haven't done the wrong thing in this situation. You haven't wiped out and killed a bunch of innocent men. You wouldn't do something like that, would you, David? Because you do the right thing. She continues to speak. So often, this is what people who, in our lives that we love and care about, this is what they need to hear. They need to hear us tell them, I believe in you. I know you do the right thing. And I know you're going to do the right thing in this situation as well. Really, Abigail? Because he's got 400 armed men right behind him. <laughs> no, no, no. She's like, I, I believe in you, David. I know you're going to, God has prevented you from doing the right thing up until this point. And I know you're going to do the right thing going forward. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. She's saying not only are you going to be king, but you're going to begin a dynasty. That your children and your children's children will reign on the throne. This is very prophetic of her. 
because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone's pursuing you to take your life, they all knew about Saul and what was going on. The life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. This woman is brilliant. She, she is using imagery and word pictures she knows David would relate with. A sling and a stone? That's right up his alley. Like he knows what she's talking about. She's speaking his language. You know, and, and just telling him, this, this is what I want for you. This is what God wants for you. Do the right thing. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel... Again, this, this prophecy. Here's the thing. If, if you know people that need to be reconciled, don't go to the one and say, I can't believe how petty you've been. I can't believe that you would, you, you go and say, you know what? I'm coming to you because I know you're the bigger person. I'm coming to you and asking you to give up your rights and to sacrifice because I believe in you. And if, if I thought you were a jerk, I wouldn't ask you this. But I know who you are deep down. I, I, know you, I know you're the kind of person that does the right thing. And you need to do the right thing in this case. You need to forgive. Yes, yes, he said that. Yes, she did that. Yes, it's awful. I'm not saying, you know, everything's wonderful. I'm saying don't. Don't strike back. Let God deal with that individual. You don't need to get revenge. You don't need to stoop to her level, to his level. Right? It's this kind of an approach to someone. You believe in them. And uh, so many people in our world today, nobody believes in them. And they're encouraged to do the, the lowest common denominator. And especially young people. When we speak to our kids, when we speak to to, to young people, and for some of you young people, Chuck Scott had his going away party, and he's talking about all the young people. It was like my age, 50s, you know, the kids, he calls us, the kids. We, we need to hear that someone believes in us. My Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And knowing David, it would have bothered him. It wouldn't have bothered him to kill Nabal. But days later, weeks later, years later, he'd have in his mind all those innocent men and servants that didn't deserve to die that he killed. And she's saying, I, th this is what's best for you. Doing the right thing, what God wants, is always what's best for everyone. Not taking revenge and killing Nabal was not just what was best for Nabal. It was what was best for David. It was what was best for Abigail. It was what's best for his own men. Um, and when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord... The God of Israel lives, who's kept me from harming you. If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. And that is not an exaggeration, an empty threat. 
Then David accepted from her hand what she'd brought him and said, go home in peace. I've heard your words and granted your request. And, and the end of the story basically is Nabal hears what Abigail did. And he, he's so mad, he won't even speak to her. And it says he set his face like a stone. And he just sat and stewed. And basically, God killed him a couple days later. And he died. And then actually, Abigail went and married David. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a crazy story. And all of David's men saw what happened when you forgive. And when someone goes on a rescue mission instead of, a hunting expedition. And, and here's the thing. Abigail had a good reason to go on a rescue mission. She didn't know David was just coming to kill all the men. And honestly, if he did kill all the men, then what would happen to the women? What would happen to her? Spoils? Slaves? So she had a good, a good reason to be like, I need to get ahead of this. I have a stake in this argument. And I, 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 it is to my own benefit to help reconcile. I think she would have done it anyway. But, but you might say, I don't have, I don't have a stake in, in this. I, I know some people and they are not getting along. And, and I love them, but <laughs> it's their problem. Why should I get involved? And here's why. is because the gospel Jesus Christ, being a Christian is about reconciliation. The gospel, the good news is that God wanted to reconcile with us. We were the one who offended him. We hit him with that, that board. And instead of using it as a wall, instead of using it as a stick to punish us back, he took our offense and he used it as a bridge to reconcile with us. And that's what Jesus came to do. He died to become a bridge between us and God, to reconcile us to God. And so he says in 2 Corinthians, not only did, did Jesus come to reconcile us to God, and, but that we need to go out and help people also reconcile to God and help people reconcile with each other. This is what the gospel, the good news is all about, about reconciliation. And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, one of your missions is to help other people get along. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And so he wants us to do that. Here's, here's one caveat or one don't do it thing about that, and that is there's a proverb um, that says, Proverbs 26, 17, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who meddles in another person's, rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Okay, so if you see people that need to be reconciled and you don't know either one of them, just stay out of it, <laughs> probably, almost always, okay? It's like grabbing a dog by the ears. Not a good idea. Stray dog, you know, you don't grab it by the ears. Um, so here's my saying that I, I, Jesus is the answer to everyone's problem. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> and neither are you. So there, there, this is not to be a busybody and try to fix everything. Okay, but, but if like Abigail, you know at least one of the two offending parties then maybe God is calling you to a ministry of reconciliation. And so to maybe take your cues from what you did, act quickly, use your resources, um, encouragement, 
right? Being positive and believing in the person. Uh, you know, these, these different things that, that we need to do um, to, to help others reconcile uh, because that's what we're called to do. Um, as, as, as we close, I just want to talk, as a, what kind of a church do we need to be? What kind of individual Christians do we need? We need to be reconcilers. There's, we have over a half a dozen, we might have a dozen Navy men in our church, Okay. I don't know if we have any Navy women, but a lot of guys in the Navy, submariners, um, all sorts of different ships. I've learned to call them, not, not call them boats. They, they get offended. This is, this is about offense. Um, uh, but here's what the Navy does. The Navy does transportation. This is a Navy guy told me that. And they, they go on hunting expeditions, right? They sink ships. They blast positions from, from the water that are inland, hundreds of miles even sometimes. There is another branch of the military, though, that, that, that's not their job. In fact, it's the forgotten branch, right? There's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, and then the other guys, National, the Reserves, the National. Oh, the Coast Guard, yeah, them. We have a Coast Guard guy. He's in the first service. We always pick on him. Terrible. Um, the Navy guys, actually, they really pick on him. They're like, yeah, you know, we got to. Anyway. But we need to be a Coast Guard church, not a Navy church. We need to go out on missions to rescue people, not to shoot them. You know, and, and it's really easy to shoot people. Here's the truth. He, as, as harsh and as, as in your face as we can make it, and, and I'm just going to level you with all of the truth. That's not the kind of church God wants us to be. Yes, we need to have the truth, but we need to go out and rescue people and risk our lives and risk some sleepless nights and risk our reputations maybe even to, to rescue. And, and you can't rescue people inside of walls. Um, I'm really thankful for our walls in our church, especially in the winter. Um, but we need to get outside these walls. And so just in the next couple weeks, we have a lot of opportunities to do that. The 4th of July, um, as Nick said, 4th of July is a big deal in Montrose. It's like the Super Bowl for our little town. You know, and you know, just to get out there. I'm looking for people to help 7.30 to 9.30. 7.30, we're meeting at the courthouse to, to, for the race. The race raises money for some town thing. I don't know. And they give money away to, in, in, good, in good ways to different organizations and people in need. And, and, but they need like 18 people to help direct the runners so they don't get lost. And so if you could help me with that, that would be great. You can sign up at the Welcome Center. Um, here's a really big thing. July 30th, we're having Be the Church Sunday. Uh, and, and that's a Sunday, July 30th, that we're all going to meet here at 9 o'clock. So come earlier, all right? 9 o'clock, we'll meet here. You'll get a donut, a T-shirt, and an assignment. And actually, you can sign up for your assignment now. You can go to Meadowview Nursing Home and see, see you know, visit with the residents there. You can maybe... Um, uh, 
clean out someone's house and throw away trash that, that, or, or clean up someone's yard and, and do some landscaping help for them or we fixed a roof last year and all sorts of different things. But, but here's what we need your help with. We need projects. So if you know anyone, a neighbor, a friend, an enemy <laughs> in the community that needs help doing something, like there's, there's a sign-up sheet uh, in that white table in the lobby, and, and just write your name down and phone number under, I have a project, and we will contact you, because on July 30th, we will have over 300 people um, willing for like three hours to do anything. Now, most of them will be unskilled, because there'll be people like me, and... Not people like you, people like you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like people like you, my dad, you know, and, and we have stuff that, you know, if you can't walk, we have things for you to do here, um, writing notes and, and doing mailings and things like that as well, but, but, but we have an unlimited, almost unlimited manpower. If you know of someone who could use some help, that's what we need to do. We need to get out there, be with people, form bridges and so that we can help reconcile them to God and reconcile them to one another. Um, also, uh, just a couple days ago, received a call. There was a um, family in the community that their kids, eight children, were taken away from them. And so a bunch of people in our church stepped up, a bunch of people in our community stepped up to do that. Um, and, uh, and so some of them spent a number of hours uh, cleaning them from lice. Um, they all had lice, and so that had to be dealt with. Uh, but uh, one of them needs size four diapers. So if you want to buy a package or two of size four diapers, that would be a help. Um, some of these families that do this, you know, all of a sudden they, they, they go out and they buy car seats, right? And uh, they do things like that. And, and again, to, to be to be salt and light in our community. We're not supposed to stay within these four walls. We're supposed to be out there and to help people who need help. And maybe it's just for a little while. Maybe it's for a long time. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a little thing, like buying diapers. Like, but, but that's the kind of church we need to be, a reconciling church. Um, and, and I know, I, I know we are. I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of what so many of you do. And nobody knows and nobody sees, um, but, but God does. Let's keep at it. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunities we have to serve you by serving other people. Uh, Lord, help us to be truth tellers, but help us to be, to be love livers at the same time. And I'm just so grateful that those are not contradictory things, that those are two sides of the same coin, truth and love. And God, I just pray that you would help us to, to do that. And Lord, if there's anyone here today, I'm sure there is, who hasn't been reconciled to you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that they would come forward in this last song, that they would pray and get right with you. And if there's anyone else who needs to get right with someone else, Lord, that they would, during this last song, that they wouldn't stay and wait, that they would walk out the back, that they would make a call, that they would take a trip, that, that, that we would get right. With the, as much as it's possible, as much as it depends on us, and sometimes we can't, we can't reconcile because it takes two, but Lord, help us to take that first step just like you did with us, O Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.